Welcome to The Practice, a podcast dedicated to unpacking the challenges and joys of being human in this unprecedented time. Each episode will delve into a different aspect of the practice of living with the goal of leaving you empowered to go out into the world as your best self embodied. Hello, friends, and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Practice. I'm your host, Brooke Davidson. Today, I am here to chat with you about something that has been incredibly transformative and empowering in my own life, something that we hear about all the time in different ways, and yet something that in some ways is kind of glossed over in our culture, and that would be the power of mantra. The power of mantra. So mantra itself refers to a phrase or even a word that is repeated. Now, in traditional yogic practice, a teacher assigns a student a mantra, and that student is tasked with chanting that mantra. And it usually starts in in traditional practice again as an audible chant that the student will do typically 108 times because 108 is a very powerful number in yoga history. And the student is supposed to internalize this mantra. So they they start by audibly chanting it, and then they transition into mouthing it, but not saying it out loud. And then finally, it becomes an internal chant of sorts where the mouth remains still, the vocal cords are still, and the words go through the student's mind in that way. And 108 is typically the the number assigned per day. So this person is like getting after it with this chant, right? They are really repeating this a lot. And we might look at that and say, okay, what is the point of saying anything 108 times? And maybe that traditional practice isn't necessarily the route that any of us choose to go. However, there is so much merit and wisdom that stems from this. And that's really what I want to talk with you about today. So mantra doesn't need to just refer to, you know, actual Sanskrit mantras that are traditionally used in yoga. It can instead refer to mantras that we ourselves create. And the purpose is the same with the traditional practice, that it becomes internal. That this is something that we find ourselves ruminating on throughout the day. So I want to relate this to some stories I have read surrounding World War II. I've always been drawn to World War II literature. Both my grandpas fought in World War II. And it's always been one of those incredibly emotional but powerful experiences for me to read firsthand accounts uh, from a variety of figures. And one pattern I've noticed when it comes to reading accounts of victims of the Holocaust, people who were specifically in concentration camps, is mantra. It's these stories, some of them were long stories, some of them were, you know, shorter phrases, but things that people had memorized that they could turn to internally and use as a source of comfort when in this incredibly challenging, oppressing experience, this dehumanizing experience. 
And it's important for us to remember that stories are a big part of what make us human. Like that's one thing that sets us apart from all the other animals of this world. We have the ability to to share stories, to even just use our imaginations in a way that no other animal does. And of course, there are other separations, but just one thing I want to shed some light on. So we know that story can be powerful. It can be a way to retreat into our minds and have this place of comfort. But mantra isn't just story. Mantra is a purposeful tool in helping us show up as the person that we want to be. And it's important first for us to recognize who is that person that we want to be. And then secondly, to look at the gap. Like, who am I often showing up as now? And how do I get from point A to point B? And that's where the mantra emerges. So, for example, I want to be a graceful and loving person. And I really want to be a great wife to my husband. Those are two things that I really value and that when I'm my best self, I show up in those ways. Now, a while ago, my husband was quitting chewing tobacco and part of the process involved him chewing Nicorette gum. I am incredibly noise sensitive and it was so hard for me when he was chewing gum to be around him at times. I was just found myself you know, feeling like a cheese grater was running up and down my spine at the noise of chewing gum. And he didn't even chew with his mouth open or blow bubbles or smack. Like it was so minimal and ridiculous that I was even reacting to it in any way. And I could tell myself that logically, but I could not stop reacting. And so I asked myself, okay, how do I be graceful? How do I be loving? Like I want to show up as that person. And so I used a mantra to help me through this. Anytime that I would find myself hearing that noise or reacting to it in any way, I would repeat the mantra, Crosby is making a choice that is beneficial to his health, and I'm so grateful for that. And then two seconds later, when I was irritated already again, I would say, Crosby is making a choice that is beneficial to his health, and I am grateful for that. All right, so that became my mantra during that period of time. And I cannot tell you how effective it was. All of a sudden, that trigger that had initially provoked irritation became a trigger to provoke a feeling of love and gratitude. And I found myself lessening in my reaction quite quickly, to be honest. And pretty soon, all it was, anytime I would hear chewing of gum, I would have this like very positive feeling. And it was all through the power of mantra. It was rewiring my brain to instead of thinking of, oh, yikes, irritation, to instead have this outpour of happiness, right? And there's, of course, I'm sure, plenty of chemical things happening inside the body in either of those instances that help provoke the actual feeling that results. I'm not a neurologist, though, so I'm not going to get into that. But I'm just saying I'm sure there's plenty of, you know, other systems at play here, but the end result is that what was an irritant became something that was positive in my life. And that is the power of mantra. Mantra can 
transform experiences for us. And it can also keep us on track. So if, for example, we have a moment of reflection, and for a lot of the Western world, we do this at the new year. It's kind of this dedicated time for us to say, okay, what are my goals? What do I want to see happen this year? How do I get even closer to living as my best self embodied? And we set these goals, but we don't necessarily always set a mantra along with them. And that's fine. I mean, we don't necessarily need a mantra for everything we do. That's not what I'm trying to say. However, a mantra can be so impactful in those moments. Right? This can, this can be a very helpful way for us to almost like sing the song of our heart. And I know that maybe sounds like a little woo-woo, but digging deep within, we can channel that force, that energy, and remind ourselves, okay, who am I under all this? And, and how do I step into being? How do I step into being right here, right now? So, for example, the first mantra that was given to me from a teacher was Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha. This is the Ganesha Japa mantra for those of you who are practicing, practicing, <laughs> practicing yogis. But for those of you who aren't, it essentially translates to might I embrace challenge as an opportunity for growth. Might I embrace challenge as an opportunity for growth. Like, wow, what a powerful concept, right? Not just might I accept the challenges that come my way. No, might I embrace, might I actively embrace them, be grateful for them because they provide an opportunity for growth. And I loved it. I used it every single day in traditional practice. I chanted and then I mouthed and then I internally recited this mantra for years. I actually have it in Devanagari's script on my leg as a tattoo now. It was so impactful in my life. But what I noticed through this first practice of mantra for me was that when my mind was blank, it would go back to that. And when I was at a loss for words, it would go back to that. And when I was grappling with something, it would go back to that, right? It's like this background music that we create for ourselves. And it instantly reminds us, okay, how do I embody this spirit, this attitude in this specific instance? And it becomes a habit. It becomes our default. And if anything that we aspire to do or be becomes a habit, I mean, that is, that is life as it, at its finest right there. That is us truly showing up as our best selves embodied because we're doing exactly what we aspire to do. We're being who we aspire to be. And mantra is what helps us get there, right? It's, it's that reminder that's constantly then embedded in the back of our minds. And it doesn't need to be, again, a traditional practice of it. This can be something that every morning we repeat this phrase to ourselves or every evening. It can be a single word even that we write into our agenda every week, that we repeat to ourselves throughout the day. 
right? Maybe it's something like lead with an open heart or stay grounded in what is real, right? We find ourselves swept away by our thoughts, our worries, our anxiety. Stay grounded in what is real. What is real in this moment? And if we repeat these things to ourselves throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, it becomes a habit. Mantra can also be used if we find negative thought patterns consuming us and we want to rewire our brain. If we want to think a different way. I know I shared this in a podcast episode in season one, and I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's something along the lines of if we have a negative experience, we dwell on it significantly longer than a positive experience. A positive experience is a matter of seconds. A negative experience is a matter of minutes that we spend thinking about it. And that can be something small, like, you know, maybe somebody compliments our outfit at the store. We think about it for a few seconds. Maybe somebody cuts us off in traffic. We think about it for minutes. Okay. And of course that gets amplified, uh, the, the greater the magnitude of the positive or negative thing, but it still remains in proportion. We dwell on the negative things far more than the positive. But why? Right? Like why let our energy seep into something that is negative to us when it could instead seep into something that is positive, that is constructive, that is meaningful? And that, I think, is another huge benefit of mantra. We can instead have these positive things that we repeat to ourselves. We can instead have moments to remind ourselves of what is good instead of to remind ourselves of what is challenging. I mean, ultimately, we'd like to get rid of the ideas of pleasant and unpleasant altogether and recognize that life is just life. And there might be some things we find more enjoyable and some things less enjoyable, but they're not good or bad. They're just things, right? They're just part of the experience. How we show up is what matters. And in rewiring our brains to notice the positive, to notice the pleasant, we help to even out a little bit more. We help ourselves to simply show up to what is as it is and to accept it accordingly. So my challenge to you is to create a mantra for yourself. It can be something that already exists. It can be a quote an excerpt of a poem, it can be a Sanskrit mantra, it can be a mantra that you create in your language. It can be a word, a phrase, just an idea. But consciously write it down somewhere. Put it as a sticky note on your bathroom mirror. Write it on your hand. Repeat it multiple times to yourself throughout each day for the next week. And just see how it impacts you. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you. Best of luck in this experiment. To follow along with my work, you can find me on Instagram at brooke underscore being. If you're interested in contacting me for a private yoga or life coach consult, please send an inquiry to brookedavidsonyoga at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.